What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 92 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Sunday evening. I'm saying that out loud now for obvious reasons in a minute, but joining me on this, on this week's podcast, good friend of the program, Scott Coleman. What's up, Scott? What's up, Brad? Busy week for sure. Uh, I'm glad we didn't have to do too much more of, uh, we don't really know who's going to be running the Braves anytime soon. Yeah, uh, I was tired of that particular theme. Uh, I'm also tired of the investigation theme, which we will definitely be hitting on on this podcast. Um, a lot of questions I've gotten the last couple of days, like, why would you guys do a podcast on Sunday night? Because the thing's supposed to supposed to drop on Monday. And uh, Well, here's the thing. Sunday night's my recording window for this podcast, uh, just because I have about seven jobs, and it's easier to get people like Scott to come on Sunday than it is any other time. Uh, so that's why we do the podcast Sunday nights into Monday mornings. Uh, I'm going to post this thing immediately tonight just for a little bit of uh, safety from what happened last week. Uh, but yeah, that's the reason. Uh, I, I I was tempted to hold it, but frankly, I have a very, very busy evening on Monday. So I uh, won't be able to record a podcast that evening. So here we are talking about lots of different things. Uh, we are talking about the investigation in a moment, but I do want to lead off a little bit with um, some talk about Anthopolis. Uh, obviously, Scott, you were not with me last week. We talked about the higher, uh, I'm on board 100%, but I want to get your take before we get anything else on just how you thought that, that whole thing played out and uh, you know, sort of your thoughts on Anthopolis. You know, from afar, it seems like it's all good things with Anthopolis. And, and you know, I think across the industry, everyone's, you know, think the Braves did well for themselves, especially considering where they were a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, he certainly wasn't perfect in, in Toronto, but um, he made some really bold moves and obviously not all of them are going to work out right. I mean, no GM is going to be perfect in, in their decisions, but um, he was able to turn in, you know, arguably the most competitive division in baseball, the five or six years he was there. Um, you know, he took the, the Blue Jays to the ALCS uh, in his final season. And then, you know, the next year after he had gone, uh, the Blue Jays made the ALCS again and came within a game or two of the World Series. And sure, he wasn't technically there, but that was his roster. So, um, you know, it's he certainly has a track record. And, and whenever you talk about Anthopolis, I think the three things uh, people kind of, you know, he blends well a mix of kind of analytics and the forward ways of, of thinking of the game. Um, a very strong scout. He came up as a scout and is highly regarded there. Um, had some really strong drafts and, and similar to this past regiment with the Braves focused on high school talent, um, you know, high school pitching, especially he had some great drafts with high school pitching um, in the, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012. Um, but at the same time, kind of the human element of the game. And, and as we all know, these guys um, are not robots. They, they have lives outside of baseball. There's 25, you know, millionaires in a clubhouse that you have to kind of figure out how to mesh well. And, you know, not everybody has to be best friends with each other, but you do have to be able to work together and, and be able to tolerate each other because you're pretty much together, you know, 16 hours a day uh, for roughly six months out of the year. So um, obviously there, there's plenty of work to be done. But, um, you know, I said that Anthopolis kind of won the press conference for the Braves, which I think you needed to do uh, just considering the last couple months of, of things and how they've gone. But um, I'm pretty happy. He was of all the, the rumored names. He was pretty clearly my top choice. Um, and then once Dayton Moore said, uh, said no thanks, um, I was really hoping it was going to be Anthopolis, especially considering some of the other uh, finalists or the rumored finalists or whatever you want to call them. Uh, like Jim Hendry would have been an absolute disaster. And, you know, I, the Braves really dodged a bullet there, and I'm glad they were able to bring in Anthopolis. And um, the biggest thing, of course, is just he's truly an outside voice. He has zero ties to the Braves, uh, really doesn't have any ties to anybody in the organization. 
um, other than a couple of guys in the front office who were brought over before him. Um, so I'm pretty happy with it. I, I'm, my confidence has been restored um, it, with the hire, and, and certainly it should be a fun winner with him at the helm. Yeah, that's a, I mean, basically, I echo all, all of that. Uh, it's nice to have someone that you uh, have to trust in. Obviously, Anthopolis, you know, is not flawless, as you said there. So it's not like this is a situation where, you know, you suddenly have, you know, you, the guy that you absolutely know is the best GM in the world. He's, he's not that. I do like him quite a bit. His track record is good. And uh, as we'll talk about here in a second, um, you know, there was basically no doubt that when the Braves announced that move that he was going to have full control. But uh, now, you know, John Hart is no longer around either. Uh, there was uh, the demotion that was announced that he was going to be a senior advisor. And then within a couple of days, uh, Hart was leaving the organization um, on his, I guess, on his own. At least that's the way it was spawned is that he was going to pursue other opportunities. Um, regardless, he's not there. Uh, you know, John Schultz is still around. Bobby Cox is still around, but uh, you know, as you kind of said there, as much as it can be uh, getting away from the Braves' way, I think Eric said that on the last podcast. He thought it was uh, noteworthy that there was no mentions of the Braves' way in the uh, in the press conference, huh. uh, yeah. which I was encouraged by as well. So I'm uh, not that there's anything. Yeah, I, I get it. There's just, it's, the connotation is kind of funnier on the internet than it is in general, but just not being uh, enslaved to that old regime is uh, definitely a good thing, and I'm I'm pretty excited, honestly. I am too. And, and, you know, again, it was really crucial. I think my top criteria for who the Braves were going to hire is somebody who um, was not tied to the Braves. I mean, as you kind of went through the process, you started thinking to yourself, boy, are they really going to bring like John Sherholtz Jr. along to kind of run the show along with Hart? And that would have you know, honestly, I think it would have lost some fans. And, and you know, I've, I've said publicly that I've been pretty disgusted with things, you know, the, the kind of obvious nepotism that's been shown over the last couple of years in the front office. And I think with Anthopolis, again, you know, he's not a perfect saint. He's not going to turn this Braves team from a, you know, a 72 win team into a World Series contender overnight. Um, but I think he does have the right mindset, the right pedigree. He's known as a hard worker. Uh, he certainly has plenty of work ahead of him. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all aboard on the hire. It'll be fascinating to see what he does with all the prospects. He did have a bit of a reputation of, especially late in Toronto, of kind of cleaning out the farm system. But I think, and, and obviously with the, with the Blue Jays making the ALCS in back-to-back years, um, those trades were made knowing that he had a really good product on the field and he was a player away from, you know, having a World Series contender. And anytime you're a game or two away from, you know, from making the World Series, I think, uh, sure, in hindsight, it hurts. I'm sure that the, the Blue Jays would still like to have uh, someone like Noah Syndergaard around. Um, but at the t- same time, you know, most of his deals were, were well liked at the time. And obviously not all deals are going to work out. But whenever you do have a good product on the field, some, that's what you use your prospects for. It's to add. Um, right now, the Braves aren't in that situation. I think they need to see where their guys go. And, and that's we'll talk about more about kind of the rest of the offseason here. But, um, you know, I think at times you, you sit on your prospects and, and let them develop and other times. Um, you have to kind of use them to bring in outside talent guys who, you know, might not be as good in a couple of years, but at least for that, that upcoming season, um, they're going to be the best option for you. Yeah. It's, it's pretty difficult, um, to operate with a great farm system and also have a great on-field product currently, unless you have a lot of money. Like if, yeah. you're, if you're the Dodgers and you're spending 200 plus million dollars on your payroll, uh, yeah. You can do it because you, that, that, you don't really have to cash in prospects in these huge trades and necessarily you can sign for agents to do that, do it, do it that way. Um, but if you're the Braves and you, I assume you're going to have a mid-market payroll pretty much the entire time that he's around. Yeah. Uh, it's not that you have to choose one or the other. It's just very, very difficult to be you know a top 10 on the field team and a top 10 farm system at the same time. 
So, you know, I kind of give them a little bit of a pass on the late stuff in Toronto because that's it was a similar payroll situation. They probably spent a little bit more at times when they were trying to compete. But, yeah, it's really tough to balance that. And I, I don't really hold too much of that against him. Obviously, the Syndergaard trade looks terrible, but that's kind of the only one that looks like that. The roast, I mean, he spent, there was some free agent stuff that you didn't love there, but that's kind of how it works. Free agency is usually bad, um, basically, right. basically anywhere. So I'm not too... Uh, not too upset by that. I think if uh, if he comes in and starts selling off prospects immediately, people are going to be upset. But I'm I'm not too worried about him just coming in and like going all Dave Dombrowski and like going all in. I don't, I don't want to see that happening. And, and I don't think it's going to happen. You know, he said publicly a couple times now that you know part of it is is he's going to have to take some time just to learn who's in the organization, right? I mean, he has you know literally hundreds of players that he's never really seen from you know with an inside perspective. Um, you know, I think, and you know, talked about the Dodgers there, and you know, Anthopolis was well regarded in Toronto, and then he left, and it was kind of a messy, you know, ownership, and they brought in a new CEO to kind of run the show, and he wasn't thrilled about having to report to, you know, some guy they just brought in after he had more or less built a team into a World Series contender, um, and I can respect that, um, but you know, spending the last two years as the VP of baseball operations for the Dodgers, I mean, you mentioned the Dodgers are. Uh, if not the best run club in baseball, you know, top three, a top five run club, um, you know, the front office, somebody said they have something like 11, either former general managers or, or like presidents of baseball operations or, or something like that, which is just a ridiculous number. Um, and obviously as we've seen, uh, the Dodgers have as good of an on-field product as anybody right now. So, um, here's hoping you learned a lot in those two years. And, and you mentioned the mid market stuff. I looked uh, it is payrolls, uh, you know, the five or six years he was in Toronto. And really, it was pretty similar to what the Braves uh, were spending at that time. And then his final year, uh, I think the Blue Jays got a new TV deal and they and they upped their money um, into the 120 million range, which is, I'm guessing, what the Braves will spend uh, most years now with, with SunTrust backing them. So, um, again, it's, it's you know, it's no two situations the same. And it's not like Anthopolis is going to come in and, and turn this team into a, a contender overnight. But um, kind of, I guess, all good things being said, and it's all you know, positive momentum, if you will. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Anthopoulos and his uh, sort of greater uh, you know body of work here as we kind of see what he does in the next couple of uh, months. But uh, you know, we're talking about the, at the outset. We'll see what he does now, especially when he's uh, free from the investigation, which will be hitting soon. We talked about it at the top of the podcast, but it's worth talking about again now a little bit is that you know there's been a lot of buzz. A couple of people reporting that it could come as soon as Monday. It's recording this Sunday night. Uh, so we could know in, in just a few hours here what the what the investigation results are. Um, there was that initial reporting that could be December, but we're almost to December now, and there was a lot of buzz that could hit before Thanksgiving. So, so that's sort of the backdrop of all this stuff. There's been a little bit of reporting. I'll let you hit on it a little bit as to um, what is actually out there. But it seems like basically all reports are that the Braves are going to be losing a prospect or two or three or four or five. Uh, I even heard actually a, it was not enough to go on in terms of an actual report for me to write up. Uh, and uh, be sort of grab a scoop, but uh, I heard somewhere uh, offline this week that it was it could be as many as six or seven guys. So I, I'm not necessarily thinking that's going to definitely be the case, but uh, it might not just be one or two. It might be six or seven guys. It might be a, a real number of players, including of course Kevin Kevin Maitans, the headliner. So uh, I mean, I mean, we can talk about what we, what we've heard, but where are you kind of at on this whole investigation thing? I know there was some stuff in Peter Peter Gammons as well. Yeah, it seems like. Kevin Maiton won't be a Brave this time in a week or a day or whatever they're going to do for when they're going to announce it. It's been rumored that, you know, again, it's Sunday night now. So tomorrow, Monday is the day it's going to come down, uh, which would make sense for baseball. It's the week of Thanksgiving. 
Um, you know, it's kind of the football news cycle. So it's, I mean, this is not a good look for anybody, right? So I, I don't think Major League Baseball is going to hype this up. And um, it's kind of an ugly situ- situation all the way around. So I would imagine Maiton is gone. We heard, you know, a year before he signed with the Braves that he had the handshake deal done. Um, you know, Gammons mentioned um, that Bay, uh, the kid who just signed for, uh, well, three hundred thousand um, dollars. He was he signed for three hundred k, and then it was going to get three hundred k under the table um, as a way to kind of keep spending within the you know the spending restraints and everything like that. Um, if that happens, you know he was pretty well regarded. Um, and then of course last summer the Braves signed a whole bunch of of highly touted kids um, out of the, out of the Dominican and Venezuela and all over the place. So um, it would sting. Uh, it's going to sting one way or the other, regardless of who's lost. And, and I'm hoping uh, that if they are going to be punished in other ways besides prospects, it's going to be, um, you know, they won't be able to spend on the, you know, in the IFA market for a couple years. Um, I really losing the eighth pick and the money that comes with the eighth pick would really hurt. Um, I guess there's a chance that that one of the kids they just drafted last summer could be involved, um, but all reports seem to indicate that um, the draftees won't be affected too much. So. It's gonna sting. I'm gonna bet. You know, I think the uh, I think the Cardinals got hit with a two million dollar ban or two million dollar fine whenever they were caught for tampering. I think the Red Sox paid 1.5 million when they, uh, you know, maybe not to the same scale as the Braves, but got caught cheating on the IFA market. Um, it's gonna hurt one way or the other. Um, but hey, I mean, you have to kind of own up to it, and you know, hopefully you're able to move on from it um, and, and have a good off season after all the you know all the implications come down. Yeah, I think I think it was Mark Bowman of MLB.com reported that there was not going to be any of the uh, the uh, domestic draftees affected. Uh, that's only one report, of course, but uh, seems like it's basically all international stuff. And you know, Maiton's the headliner. There are a couple of guys that really would hurt. I mean, Maiton even um, I will say not, not everybody's in love with him. I think it was Keith Law said that he was he, that he's not even sure Maiton's a top hundred prospect at this point. Yeah. Which yeah. was uh, that was an eye an eye opener. I thought um, I, I think our guys like Maiton more than Keith Law does. You know, Eric and those guys I think have a little bit of a higher opinion, but still, it isn't as if this guy, you know, Maiton right now is this like universal elite prospect that we kind yeah. of thought he might be. Uh, he still might be good. I mean, it's not like his situation where uh, that's going to hurt if he leaves and, he, and he's not around. And as especially you know, the Braves have paid the, paid this money and they'll have more sanctions. And if he grows into a good major leaguer or better, that's going to sting. Um, but still, I mean, it could be worse, frankly. And like, honestly, this is what I've been thinking about almost uh, aloud. I talked to you about this before we started recording, but uh, I don't think, I mean, people were asking if we were going to do an emergency podcast uh, when this comes down. I, I can't imagine a scenario which something's going to hit that we would be that surprised about and have to immediately j- jump on and do an emergency podcast about. Like, you know, if it's four or five guys and one of them is Kevin Maiton, like, I know that's unfortunate, but I'm not going to, I mean, you and I can't do 30 minutes on you know, the right. loss of Kevin Maiton in the prospect. I, I just can't yeah. imagine a scenario where, where it's like so shocking, where it's like, you know, panic. We've been talking about it for so long now that like most of the outcomes are kind of out there. And unless something crazy happens that we just don't see that no one's reporting, it's kind of just is what it is at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. And look, you know, if, if you take a look at a Braves prospect list, you know, there's 20, 25 very legitimate you know, major league prospects on there. And, and most teams have half of that, if that, right. So the depth of the Braves system will certainly come in into play here. Yeah. Losing my tunnel suck. Maybe he turns into the next, you know, Miguel Cabrera as he was heralded as a, as a 15 year old, um, you know, or he kind of lives up to what's been said about him lately, right. That his swing was a mess, that he was overweight, 
Um, you know, he couldn't hit anything down in the zone. Um, you know, Bay had, had some, uh, you know, pretty high accolades during the signing, uh, you know, a strong utility guy, a, a potential everyday regular up the middle. But again, these are 17, 18 year old prospects. It's not as if the Braves, you know, are about to lose a Freddie Freeman, right? Or, or they're not about to lose a Julio Tehran or even a Ronald Acuna. Um, you know, it would sting. It, it's going to hurt. I, I sure wish we weren't having to talk about this right now. I wish we could talk about, you know, where Maiton fits in the top 10 or top 15 of the Braves' farm instead of, um, you know, where he's going to be at this time in a week or two. But, um, again, you kind of have to pay for, for what you get caught doing. And, um, you know, hopefully Anthopolis is ready to, you know, spend the next week or two kind of getting a, a good candle on uh, on the franchise and, and the organization and all the assets in it. And then, uh, move on and, and focus towards 2018 and beyond. Yeah, I have a feeling that he has some idea what it was going to be like when he took the job. I can't imagine yeah. he'll be uh, blown away about whatever happens. I think the Braves probably have a good uh, good idea, at least a good, a good estimate of what it's going to look like. So we'll see what that looks like here in a couple of days. Could be a couple of hours even after this podcast goes <laughs> up. Uh, last thing on this particular topic, I got a question. Uh, a couple of people asked the same question, but I'm going to use this one uh, at from uh, at mdubs8 on Twitter, and he says, "Here's my question." The Braves have already lost the president of baseball ops, a GM, and a head of international scouting in two months of productivity. Isn't that unprecedented? And why is more and why is more punishment needed as a result of that? Um, I mean, the simple simple answer is that I know that is punishment, but I don't. I just don't think that's going to be enough. Obviously, but uh, what do you think about what's your first reaction when you hear that kind of question? You know, it's it's a fair point, right? I mean, it, it's three big time jobs in baseball, and they were all fired or you know resigned or whatever the heck it was that John Hart officially went with. Um, I think you know, it's, sure, it's one thing to lose front office members, but front office members can be replaced. I think that baseball, um, you know, knows through all their investigating, kind of who, uh, you know, who at least was involved with with everything going on and, and who the Braves got through the backdoor deals. So. I wish, you know, I wish if, if baseball came out tomorrow or whenever it is and says, uh, yeah, three guys lost their jobs, that's, that's all it's going to be. I, I'd be pretty shocked. Um, I would imagine they're going to lose some of the players. I've said before, I, I don't, again, I don't think this is going to be earth shattering. I think we've kind of had, you know, we've been able to brace for it. And I mean, you know, we've had more than a month to know this was coming. So it's not as if we're all just going to be sitting around and, and the press release is going to come out of, you know, Braves lose four international prospects and you know money and a million dollar fine or whatever it may be so um i guess we could all be wrong maybe baseball is about to drop the hammer and and the braves are really going to hurt from this but um, i really don't think it's going to be too too bad yeah i mean especially because we kind of all know something is coming but i understand a lot of thinking i still think it's realistic i think you know mlb has to do something beyond what was self-inflicted because you know the braves firing guys is basically that's all self-inflicted uh, they have to actually punish them beyond the fact that, you know, copy is a loss, obviously. Uh, but, you know, the productivity, especially at the time, like the Braves weren't going to be able to do a whole lot when the time that this has been hanging over their heads. I mean, if this had happened later in the winter uh, and they were basically put on hold for two months in the middle of free agency, that would yeah. hurt a little bit more. Um, but for now, I mean, it looks like it's going to come down before, before free agency even starts. So, yeah, there's all of that to say. I get it, but uh, it's something else is coming, I promise. Uh <laughs> Um, we can move off of that um, for now. Uh, just kind of wrap up a little bit on Arizona Fall League because that, um, you know, the Ronald Acuna show uh, wrapped up over the weekend. Uh, any thoughts you have from uh, AFL, uh, candidly, again, you know, I'm not super dialed in here, but obviously Acuna being the MVP of the league is pretty impressive. There's lots of things to talk about, but anything to jump off, jump off the page to you? Yeah, I mean, what a year, right? I mean, this time last year it was 
you know, his 2016 was kind of incomplete because of the injuries, but there was certainly hype and, and we were starting to see just how good he could be. Um, and obviously no one anticipated him having quite the year that he had in 2017. I mean, the minor league player of the year, both for the Braves and nationally, um, to be named the, the MVP of kind of a, an all-star prospect league that the Arizona Fall League is, um, is really pretty remarkable. Uh, you know, it all just kind of confirmed, right? Well, we know that he's, he's a once in a, you know, once in a decade or so type talent. Um, somebody who you would sure hope the Braves are able to clear a spot for, for opening day. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun to see. I wasn't able to make it up just with work and life and everything like that. I wasn't able to, I'm, I'm down here about an hour and a half away from Phoenix. So I wasn't able to make it up, uh, for any games, but from the outside, everything looked really good. He was getting rave reviews from scouts who were visiting, um, and yeah, it was it, it, the whole team, uh, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but just kind of the whole team, which had a, I think six or seven Braves on it, uh, just kind of dominated for the last month. Yeah. I mean, to w- go out and win it. Uh, I mean, Austin Riley looked good. Apparently, um, you know, Alex Jackson, there's, there's several guys that yeah. were Freed. very good. Uh, say again, uh, Max Freed. Freed. Yeah. Freed I mean, yeah. Some of the numbers, especially when compared, like, you know, all these numbers have to be taken with a grain of salt, but when you compare the, the numbers the Braves guys put up to just the sort of normal baseline out there, uh, they were very, very impressive. Like, uh, most of the Braves guys were, uh, at least the top guys, were landing in the top 10 and hitting and top 10 in pitching and uh, just looking extremely good. Uh, it is the it is Arizona Fall League. It's not like this is huge sample size. It's even Acuna, I think it was, was it 23 games that he played? Um, yeah. I mean, hit the friendly league too. Yeah, that's a real sample, but it's not like this is going to be something that just, you know, you know, fall all over. You know, Cunha was is worth is worth falling all over uh, before that and after that. It's not like this is just the first thing we've seen from him. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of it was good. Basically, there was there was very little that I would say it was negative from Arizona falling, which is kind of all you want to see because in the end, it's you know, it's an opportunity to showcase guys and have guys look good and get some uh, some baseball to sort of whet your prospect appetite going into the off season, but. Yeah, in general, uh, things were good. That's guess the best, that's probably the best way to put it. I don't know. Yeah, you know, and, and you mentioned Austin Riley and, and Alex Jackson. Both were, were really strong as well. I would imagine both those guys uh, will open next year with, with Mississippi and should give, uh, I would argue, probably the best minor league team in, in all of baseball with um, Riley and Alex Jackson. I would imagine at least some of Mike Soroka, Colby Allard, uh, Tukey. Um, you might see Kyle Wright get in there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, as uh, as friends of the program know, it's it's no surprise that the Braves uh, are pretty loaded in the farm. And, and now that we're starting to see them get up to double A, triple A, um, it really should be pretty exciting. Yeah, that's the best way to put that. I think our prospect guys are uh, getting excited. We talked about it a little bit last, week, last week's podcast, but uh, there'll be the uh, the new prospect list will be interesting to be sure. Yeah. When yeah. it comes out uh, <laughs> in the near future, um, you know, not not a whole lot more to t- to say about that other than it's very good. Uh, sort of the last thing here is that uh, the Braves have to uh, basically have their forty man roster, and the Rule Five draft stuff is coming. Uh, the Rule Five roster deadline is Monday, so that's tomorrow as we record this. Uh, so the Braves basically, if you don't understand this process, the Braves have to protect anybody that they don't want to lose in the Rule Five draft. At least, and uh, that that's just, that's the short way of uh, saying it. Anybody that you would say to keep an eye on before then, that the Braves will want to throw on the forty man just to keep them away from the Rule Five draft. Yeah, I mean. I'm not really sure. I, uh, to be honest with you, I haven't looked at it super close. Um, there are yeah, no I mean, like super imagine. obvious like. There's a couple of ga- yeah. guys I'm sure that will be thrown on just because that's just procedural. But like yeah. the Braves aren't in the situation where they have to. Ha- there's not these like huge decisions to make. There are some minor decisions to make, but it's more yeah. of like a, we'll check in after the fact kind of thing on this one. 
I don't know. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think Luis Gohara has to go on it, and obviously the Braves are going to put him on the forty man. Um, yeah. I, if I remember right, uh, Dustin Peterson, um, your boy. He's, yeah, my boy. Um, he has to go. I think Travis Demerit has to go on there too. Um, so I would imagine those are kind of the obvious guys. It looks like Ricardo Sanchez. Uh, if I'm looking at it right, I think Ricardo Sanchez, who is a pretty promising lefty, he's been, I think the Braves traded for him from, from the angels when he was like 18. So even though he's been around a couple of years, he's still super young. Um, you know, I think Ray, it looks like Ray Patrick Ditter, who has some speed to his game and might be a big league bench piece. Um, I would hope that they're able to keep him. Um, but again, just because you're not, you know, there's no room on the 40 man doesn't mean you're automatically lost. It just means, you know, there's a chance that, that some team picks, uh, picks you up. So um, obviously, Gohara, I would sure think Peterson, Demerit, Sanchez, um, and we'll see about the other couple guys. Yeah, that is the much smaller thing to look at for uh, for Monday, obviously, but uh, I, I will almost guarantee that there'll be some sort of uh, roster move that takes place between now and Monday evening, just because that's kind of just what happens. Uh, you have to protect guys that you want that you want to uh, protect in that way. Um, it's kind of, I mean, it's basically, I, I did want to ask you, there's one... Um, I just thought this is a very open-ended and sort of random uh, mailbag question that we got that I did not prep you for, but it was an interesting one, that I thought, because it came in late. Um, and it comes from Ricky Day, and it says, it's very short, will Mike Fultonavich be a Brave in, 20, in 2019? Ooh. Um, it's just very question. weird to think about, because yeah. yeah, like, why wouldn't he be? But, it is uh, an interesting thought, though, you know, with... with with a new, really a new front office, right? I mean, yeah. Anthopolis, and they brought in a couple of, of you know, kind of right-hand guys for, for Anthopolis, um, including Perry Manijan, who he was very familiar with and worked alongside in Toronto. I would think so. I mean, he's not a guy, considering his age and, and how hard he can throw, is not somebody I'd be actively looking to get rid rid of. But, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Fulte. He's shown, obviously, that he can be a dominant pitcher in the league at times. Um, he's also had days where he can't get out of the second inning and gives up nine runs and gets four outs. So I would think so. I mean, I, I guess he could be used as part of a trade if if the Braves are trying to add a starting pitcher this year. Um, I, I don't. I honestly have no idea what his trade value would look like. But I, I mean, if if I had to put a hundred bucks on it right now, I would lean towards yes. But I don't know. I I would. I don't see any. Re- I can't imagine the Braves are actively looking to get rid of him. Is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, it's not like this situation where they could like sell super high either. Like Fulty was fine. Uh, he's a. I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast. But um, you know, Fulty, if he's just what he was the last two years, is not super exciting. But he also is a guy who yeah. would probably command an eight figure salary on the open market because that's what pitchers get. It's like yeah. uh, if you're a guy who's going to like be a one and a half win pitcher. That's a ten million dollar player. Like that's gonna happen. So yeah, they're not yeah, gonna be looking solid, to give him away. Like he's yeah, fine. he's a solid. Yeah, he's a solid three or four. I mean, for what the Braves are, he's probably their number three, right? If he was to go to a team like the Dodgers, he's probably more of a four or a five. Sure. But, and um, that's and that's by yeah. the way, like there's still room for him to grow. And if he, if yeah. he doesn't, that's a success. If you if like I understand like people's expectations would be it's always gonna be tied to you know, what you trade to get him and how young he is and prospect lists and that stuff. But if you get a guy that is a functional major league pitcher that can throw 180 innings at with a with an ERA on the low fours and occasionally dominate, that's a win. Like, yeah. I think people get, and this is just sort of an, a, a philosophical thing, but like these guys who, Fulte was never like the uber elite prospect anyway, but like a, a very, very good prospect. If that guy pans out in the way that he can be a, 
real live rotation piece that's not right. like going to kill you, that's a win. Like it just is. Yeah. Well, and you've seen, you know, if you've watched Fulty closely over the years, I mean, you remember when he came up in 2015 and I mean, other than throwing a fastball 99 miles an hour, that's all that he could it. really do, right? I yep. mean, all he did was throw hard. And there's a reason those guys stick around in baseball and get chances into their late 20s because you just hope that, you know, similar to Jake Arietta, you just hope that one day the light comes on and they, you know, they turn the corner, flip the switch and turn into stars. Um, who knows if Fulty's ever going to do that? But as you said, I mean, to be a, you know, I think he was a top 100 prospect, you know, maybe a top 50 on someone who was more bullish on him than others. And, you know, certainly top 100 at the time. And the Braves got a couple other pieces as well in the in the Evan Gattis deal, um, including Rio. Um, but yeah, if, if he can be a solid three or four for the next couple of years and a cheap one at that, as you mentioned, you know, if if he hit the market tomorrow, I, I would imagine he'd be able to get 30 or 40 million dollars just because of his upside and ability to throw, oh, yeah, for you know, sure. 150, 160 innings. You know, he's been historically really healthy. I don't think he's had any kind of DL trip in his whole career, uh, majors or minors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like Fulty. I'm hopeful that he's able to kind of. Uh, take the next step in in 2018, and obviously guys like Gohara and Freed, Newcomb. You know, if Tehran is still around, um, you know, I think there's a better chance of Fulty being around in 2019 than there is of Tehran being there in 2019. Ooh, that's a take. I like it. Yeah, I, I it would be fascinating to hear just kind of from an outside perspective what you know what Anthopolis thinks. But um, yeah, I mean if. I would imagine that Julio, if anybody, is going to get traded. I would imagine he's one of the more likely guys on the roster right now. Yeah, I mean that's that's reasonable. I just it's a weird spot with Julio all the time because of the contract. I mean, it's eight million for twenty eighteen, it's eleven million for twenty nineteen, and a club option for twelve and twenty twenty. So he's still locked up for three more years. The Braves want him at you know if you if you round it all up, it's about ten million a year. That's yeah. uh. That's huge value if he is anything approaching what he's been in the past. You know, this year he wasn't great, obviously, but there were still signs where that's a big, it's a big, it's a big value contract. But yeah, I mean, because he's actually under control for three years, he still has value, even if even coming off of a season that wasn't great. Um, this is probably not the best time to sit, to sell him, obviously, just because he did struggle a little bit. But yeah, it's I guess that that could be very dependent on how you feel about Julio, and that's a good point because we don't know how Anthopoulos feels. It's that's how. All the roster right now should be viewed through that prism, aside from guys like Freeman and Albies, I would imagine, um, yeah. and probably Enciarte. I mean, other than those guys, like it's kind of obvious those guys are pretty easy to evaluate, but like we don't know how Papos feels. And even Enciarte, like we talked about a little, a, little, a little bit last week, but Keith Law threw him on a, on a list of guys who at least the team should be looking to market, because. but he also described him as a top 10 trade asset in all of baseball, mm. um, which, I mean, you could probably – quibble and try to find 10 guys with a higher value but if you throw in the contract like his yeah. value's off the charts but maybe Anthopoulos doesn't love the package maybe it's a situation where he doesn't value the defense in the same way that people other people do etc so we, we just kind of don't know right now that's yeah, kind of the I mean, moral story you know it's interesting you mentioned Ender now we're going to end up talking for three hours about you know possible trades yeah uh, but uh, you know, with Ender, he is kind of the typical guy that Anthopoulos loves. You know, defense, kind of the saber player, if you will. Which you know, 15 years ago, Ender and Ciarte would not be thought of, even you know, a smidgen of what he is right now, right? With just kind of the way that defense and speed and base running is has kind of taken over with you know things like Statcast and being able to track you know catch difficulty and probability and stuff like that. 
you know, Ender is a guy who, you know, knowing from Anthopolis from the outside is someone who I would imagine he really likes. Um, now it has, of course, been brought up that with Acuna being an obvious center fielder, you know, his bat is going to play anywhere, but it, he's even more valuable in center. Um, you know, would the Braves trade Ender? I, I don't know. I, I would need a major, major package. I would need a, you know, probably a proven big league starting pitcher and then, you know, another pitcher or another prospect or two with it. Did you um, see, did you see the, the, the fun rumor package that was not reported at all? Somebody came up with it. it something became everywhere earlier this week. I guess it was last week. Um, Ender to the Cubs for um, Javier Baez and Ian Happ. Did you see ooh. that? Boy, it was like a, it was like who says no? One of those classic like yeah. made up out of nowhere, and like people were kind of divided. I I wasn't as excited. Like there were some Braves fans like, yeah, call it in, and I'm like, uh, I don't I don't love That's Baez. Tough. That's kind of the I mean, thing for me, but yeah, I love Ian Happ. Yes. I, I think Happ's going to be a stud. Baez, I mean, you could probably put him at third, and you know, or short if if Dansby doesn't work. It's that's an interesting one. I, boy, and I, and it almost kind of seems plausible just from the sense that the Cubs, but the Cubs also have Almora in center field, who's like a light version, a light and younger version of, of Ender. Um, yeah, I saw, I saw that going around. It was interesting, but. And they have know, Hayward, I, by the way. Like, and, right. And, and Hayward, uh, for the fact that he's obviously struggled with the bat for quite some time, he's locked up for a long time making a lot of money. Yeah. as a defense first player that they're not going to just bury like he's going to play unless yeah. he just is so bad at the plate where he cannot be on the field he he's being paid so much that they have to at least have yeah. him around and you know ncr is a better hitter than hayward obviously but it's tough to have two defense first value guys in the same outfield if you're the cubs i don't know All yeah I, funny, but. it'll be interesting i mean you know as you mentioned as far as trade value goes i think ender is probably top three in the whole organization right so. oh yeah i mean it's not i mean i guess if you look at the prospects maybe um maybe you talk about albies and maybe a couple obviously Cunha would be probably number one yeah i mean freddie number two I, I'm, I'm trying to think about it. i mean between freddie and acuna i think you probably get more for acuna which is hilarious uh only because the Freeman, money. I mean, the, Freeman's making real money. It's not. Yeah. He's still underpaid. Um, Freeman is underpaid. That's a that's a great value contract, but it is yeah. a contract that actually pays him money. Whereas Acuna could be making basically nothing for right. a while. He's practically <laughs> free for the next three years or even four years if they don't decide to play him on opening day. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, it's kind of just. I mean, those two guys and Albies would be your top three. I think Ender would probably be fourth. Um, yeah, and maybe even third. Maybe he has more value than Albies. I don't know. Um, so yeah, just even the fact that that's out there is pretty crazy, but, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't trade under, I, I wouldn't be excited to trade under, but listen, everybody has their price. So like if somebody wants to go out and just crazy overpay, uh, Ender's probably my favorite player on the team right now. And I still would be like, okay, you know, if they're going to, if you're going to overpay for him, then here you go. Right. Like, like if the Rays wanted to center a deal around Ender and Ciarte for Chris Archer, that is something, you know, I, it would need to be a proven player, right? Like no matter how promising a prospect is, I, I just can't imagine trading Ender at this point in the rebuild for, you know, a couple of promising 18 and 19 year olds. No, I would not do that. Yeah. But, it, but you know, you know, there's talk, of course, as there's been the last two years of Chris Archer maybe being on the move and they think he's still signed for four more years. If, you know, if, if the Rays and Ender is kind of a Rays-like player given his contract and defense, you know, if, if the Rays hypothetically said, yeah, let's do – Ender and you know two solid but not elite prospects for Chris Archer you know that is that is something I think that I and, and obviously the Braves would be more intrigued than than 
hey, we'll give you, you know, a couple of, you know, teenagers and a, a young major league player for Ender just because, you know, with Ender, his contract, his defense, his speed, you know, he's the definition of an average hitter, which is more than fine given his glove and, and his speed. Um, you know, that's the kind of player who I'd be looking to, to do in a deal for Ender, not a, you know, a couple of promising 18, 19 year olds who might be great in three years, but just right now, I'm not sure that's the way the Braves are, are going to go. Yeah, that's uh, about about perfect. I would say I would not be looking to looking to trade him by any means, but I, I do understand the uh, thought process behind at least considering it, and uh, that's something we talked about a little bit. But I thought we brought it back up here. Uh, last thing before I let you go, um, this is a non baseball question. But I thought it was hilarious that it was even asked. It was in our it was a reply um, to our talking chop mailbag call, and it came from Shaw O'Plunny who asks, uh, who among the Braves keeps their ketchup in the fridge and who keeps it in the cupboard? <laughs> so that was a big question. Uh, fridge or cupboard for ketchup, Scott? Well, I'm a fridge guy. I am a fridge guy also. Um, so with that said, um, I could see like Nick Markakis keeping his his ketchup in the fridge. <laughs> I Steady, mean, it's, it's you know, funny because we, we obviously don't know the players enough to know who would do what. Um, I do think – I'm not sure what it says about you, what you answered this question because I was immediately fridge. I do think of all the restaurants though that just leave the ketchup on the table. Yeah. And like it's not like wrong to do that. Uh, I would keep it in the fridge. So that's my yeah. answer. It sounds like that's your answer too. I'm, I am positive though you will find at least someone in the Braves organization that has it, on, that has it in, their, in their cupboard. So We should – let's tweet the Braves. and We should do that. <laughs> I, I actually want to know. So – in the comments of this podcast on the site, uh, let's see what people say. Uh, and that might take over the entire podcast. Who knows? Um, but listen, this is just a waiting game podcast anyway. So please uh, let us know either on Twitter or in the comments. Uh, a little bit of activation here. And I, you know, normally this is a pretty straight-ahead baseball podcast. That's kind of just my personality. I don't do a, a whole lot of these crazy things unless Eric's calling me out for something on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I thought it was kind of funny to at least point out. And uh, I guess there's two votes for two votes for the fridge between me and yeah, Scott. Team fridge. Team fridge. Uh, all right, man. Well, thank you for joining me on the podcast as always. Anything you got coming? I know it's sort of a weird time. I mean, it has been for a while. We keep saying that, but it's really tough to write about, to write about base like pure baseball stuff right now because it's like, all right, we're waiting for the winter meetings. Uh, the GM yeah. meetings were happening, but like nothing's going to really pop out of those. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with. I mean, yeah, with Thanksgiving, I think that you know, considering that Anthopolis, I would imagine, spent almost all of last week kind of growing through the entire organization and the players. Um, this week, historically at least, is is pretty slow. Now we say that, and you know, watch Giancarlo get traded on you know the day before Thanksgiving, but um, I would imagine it's a pretty quiet week, or at least in Braves world, it's a pretty quiet week. Um, you know, it's, it's partly, which is a good thing. You know, you don't want to rush into your, you know, your second week on the job and, and make a trade that you're going to regret for the next three years. But, um, I'd imagine this week is pretty quiet. And then maybe the week after Thanksgiving, um, as the winter meetings near, um, you know, as we mentioned, uh, Anthopolis has never been shy and he, he you know, he's kind of similar to copy. He's always looking to make deals where it can make the team better. So, um, I would think this week is pretty quiet and the next week stuff will start to ramp up and then. Um, I think the the winter meetings are like the second week of of December. So yeah, they are uh, the uh, the tenth through the fourteenth. Yeah, uh, of December. So I think uh, that's the first big deal we see for the Braves would be in that in that time frame. Something will happen, and I was talking offline actually with a friend who's pretty plugged in with the Braves, um, and just kind of talking about like the the nature of like 
not doing anything basically this winter. Like I'm not sure that's going to happen. Um, but mm. I won't be upset if they just do nothing. Frankly, like if, they're going to sign somebody to something, some something yeah, small. But like I'd be cool if they did if they didn't do a single thing and just yeah. like we're gonna, we're going to play around with Acuna. I mean, obviously, my my emphasis would be get rid of Kemp or Marquecas or both. Yeah, yeah, and that's not even a major deal. Like, right. you know, you're going to get a fringe prospect if that, and maybe a couple million in savings by trading Marquecas. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, in terms of, I think Braves fans are really thinking that some huge thing is going to hit, and it might. Um, but if all they do this winter is open a corner spot for Ronald Acuna, like, I'm fine with that. Yeah, just, fix the bullpen. Like, yeah, I mean that'll be. I think that's probably the safest bet. Is this where they spend a little bit of money is in the bullpen, um, for better or worse. I mean, I don't necessarily love investing huge money in the bullpen, but you got to do something because it was a disaster this yeah. year. Low key, I think if the Braves were better, people would have noticed a little bit more just how bad bullpen was. Um, but it was really bad. Um, I guess the nature of that is when you're when your top not not necessarily top dollar, but when your expensive closer just it absolutely implodes for a solid month that makes things look worse, but even then, yeah. the rest of the bullpen was bad the entire season, mostly. So, anyway. Yeah, if, they, if they want to sign a, you know, someone mentioned, like, Brendan Morrow, who has was in Toronto when, when Anthopolis and then went to L.A. with Anthopolis. You know, if the Braves want to sign a Brendan Morrow for two years and $10 million total and want to sign, uh, you know, Peter Moylan, who had a pretty good year from the right side. Shouts for, to Peter Moylan. You know, the Braves legend. Stuff. Him and, and Mike Miner holding it down and bullpens everywhere. I would sign Mike uh, Miner... Tomorrow. Oh, me too. Yeah, he was awesome. I mean, he was he was always somebody going back like a couple years ago who I thought got one of the raw steals from the Braves. And I know he had a shoulder injury, which kind of halted things. But even when he had like his great year, people kind of crapped on Mike Miner, and I never understood that. Oh no, I was always Team Mike Miner. I didn't. Yeah. I never. I never thought. I couldn't figure out why that happened. Uh, by the way, he is a free agent. Yeah. I think so, but uh, I saw something like four years and like thirty five million for him or something like that. Those are are not the deals. No, I, would, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but two year, you know, two year deals for ten million. Okay, whatever. You know, five million bucks each year. At that point, you need him to be worth you know one win. Honestly, if they can throw you know fifty or sixty solid innings out of the bullpen, that's probably worth five million dollars these days. Oh yeah, um, for sure. That that's you know more than I think that's more than reasonable. And again, if you know if with this free agent class not looking real appealing, um, you know, at least for the Braves' needs and next year's being so good, if they want to tie up, you know, $10 million in 2018 to a couple of relievers to hopefully avoid a couple uh, a couple of blowups in the eighth and ninth innings, um, I'm fine with that. It's I think this next year anyway is more about kind of getting towards 500 and, and being in a position to, you know, really kind of make a push for a playoff spot by 2019. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we'll have plenty of time to dissect everything that, that they do or don't do in the coming months. But that's just a little bit of a schedule, and th- so p- people keep their eyes out for what could be happening. I think, uh, you know, the progression here is basically going to be, you know, uh, discipline comes down, a little, bit, a little bit of silence, and then winter meetings and hit the ground running on whatever happens. So, you know, yeah. stay tuned. We'll be here for uh, the duration. Uh, might be a week off somewhere in there. If nothing, if nothing happens, I'm not – beholden to do a podcast every single week in the off season <laughs> but uh at some point i'll take a week off or two i know that i have a travel weekend at some point in uh, december and january all that kind of stuff so there'll be a little bit of uh, pockets here and there and then probably some emergency shows if, if, the, if the braves actually do an actual big deal they, if they trade for chris archer that'll be an emergency podcast i can tell you that right now so <laughs> i would be interested in that yes. yes i'm more likely to do the emergency pod for that than i am for the sanctions i will tell you that <laughs> right now 
Uh, all right, well, thanks, Scott. I appreciate it, man. As always, it's nice to have you back on the show after a couple of weeks off. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll bother you. In, I'll bother you in the future, as we all know. Of course, of course, man. I'm always around. Everybody who listens, have a great Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, stay warm. Looks like it's getting cold on the East Coast. It's like 80 degrees out here in Arizona. And but there it is. Stay warm. Beautiful. Yeah. Summers suck here, but you can't beat the winters. Yeah, summers are not fun out there, but yeah. Uh, bundle up, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Please subscribe to the podcast if you guys have not done that already on Apple Podcasts or wherever you guys find your podcast. Hopefully we're there, and if we're not, please let us know. And uh, also, it's always it's always on the site. Uh, usually, I wait until Monday morning, but today's podcast is going to go up right away because, uh, yeah, we, we saw it happen last week. So there's that. Stay tuned, everybody, <laughs> and we'll see you guys in a week.